manana tsimirandasya, yanangjana shalakaya, chakshurum militam yena, tasmai shri guruve namaha. Siddhanto palasara nityarasikam hang sang vilam, adaryakya sudamasevakadanam vishrumba bhakti pradam, yakya yukti vichakshanam bhagavado vaishishta shakya sada, and they hung triparari namakaya ting shri bhakti vedantinam, vancha kalpatarubhyas chakripa sindubhyevacha, patitanam bhavanevyo vaishnavevyo namo namaha. Ajanulambita bujau, kanakavatatau, sankyau, kamalaya takshau, vishwambarau, dvijavarau, yuga dharma palau, vande jagapriya karau, karunavatarau, vande shi krishna chaitanya nityanando sohotito, pushpavanto chit, vande hang shiram, Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito, Godadaye Pushpavanto Chitro Shandotamo Nudao, Vande Hang Shri Ramakrishnao Abhaya Charana Sukhao, Sukhadao Paramanandao Sundaro Subhalao Priyo, He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagapate, Gopesha Gopika Kantarada Kantanamostute, Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Rade Vrindavaneshwari, Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Sri Gaudiya Guru Parampara Ki Jai. So, um, yeah, welcome uh, everybody in the present or, or the future, um, depending on when you're watching this. Um, so, uh, today uh, we're going to start um, a study of uh, Bhagavad Gita. And so you might want to put your seatbelts on because it might take take a, a while because <laughs> it's 700 verses or so of the Bhagavad Gita. But, um, but we in, intend to treat it uh, as a, a comprehensive study um, of the Gita um, to really go deep into it because there's so much in, in the Bhagavad Gita that applies to every devotee at, at every stage, really. Um, but especially uh, us on... on uh, at the stage of sadhana, who are practicing, trying to become fully surrendered to Krishna, if you will. Um, there's so much there in, in the Gita that we can uh, take shelter of. Um, so today we're going to start our first session, which is really going to be more of an um, introduction um, and kind of an overview of how we're approaching it. Because for the last uh, two years, two and a half years now, I guess, um, we've been doing a similar study with our local community uh, here in the UK. And it's been very nice uh, to, to go a bit deeper into the Gita. And so I thought it would be good to adapt some of these sessions for the Tattva Vivek series, so we can keep going deeper into the text together. And, uh, uh, you know, as you know, the Gita's, all these Shastras, they're ever deep. There's so much that can be derived from them. Um, and I'm sure we can all, all share different realizations and understandings also. Um, so the way we've approached it locally is uh, we've been looking at different Acharyas and contemporary Vaishnav uh, commentaries to, to get a multifaceted understanding. Uh, sometimes I found in my own studies, some points from a particular commentary will fill in a gap uh, for me uh, that may not have been so clear elsewhere. Um, so I'll, I'll be repeating a, a synthesis, really, of these texts. 
uh, drawing from some of what I consider to be the most essential points to draw from, uh, especially with a view as to how we can practically apply some of these things in our own pursuit of uh, Uttama Bhakti or pure devotion. And so I'll be especially drawing uh, from classes of our own Guru Maharaj, for example, that offers even more insight, uh, like I say, along with other commentaries and so on. And so, uh, as most of you will probably know, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, um, uh, it's, it consists of 18 chapters, it's about 700 verses, you know, the title is said to literally mean the song of God. Uh, so Krishna is there singing on the battlefield, if you will. Uh, so it's, it's living knowledge, uh, said to be alive, uh, although spoken directly by Krishna um, there, uh, around 5,000 years ago or so. Uh, you know, it's really it's living knowledge. It's knowledge that we can apply in our lives at any time. And we'll see how that is so as we go through the Gita, hopefully. Uh, it, eternal knowledge and and like i say yeah something we can practically apply in our own lives uh to to especially assist with our spiritual progress although it's true sometimes uh many other things can be derived from the gita you know there are so many different perspectives on the gita you'll find even uh these days you know business coaches and uh life coaches etc uh can can derive many things because there are many things in the gita that help us deal with the material world for example um but obviously our emphasis is especially going to be focused on how it how those things can assist us in our spiritual pro um so like I say, it does deal with everything from how to live, but also how to die. Uh, locally, we've just started the eighth chapter, or we, we will be starting the eighth chapter in our next session. And uh, a lot of the eighth chapter, Krishna speaks about how to die <laughs> so uh, and how to deal with death also. Um, so it gives us so much wisdom and guidance in different areas of our life that all of us as humans have to face. Uh, and so, you know, it can help with different things like um, even mental states, you know, depression, fear, confusion, temptation, uh, you know, the whole the whole spectrum of uh, human um, frailties, if you will. But most importantly, it, it does provide spiritual nourishment. It helps revive our spiritual consciousness, if you will. And it, it gives us direction how we can walk towards reaching that highest peak, that highest reach, if you will, of human potentiality. Um, our Guru Maharaj, he, he often points out that the Gita, it speaks to us uh, a lot really about the nature of being. Uh, what, what does it mean to be and, and how does that play out? What is the nature of being? Because uh, we're all beings, we all exist. Um, but I, one way I, I especially like um, the way uh, the Gita can be summed up if, we're, if, if we were to sum up the Gita in, in just a line, is you can really say that the Gita, it takes us from selfishness to selflessness. Uh, and so we'll see next time when we, we study the first um, few verses, for example, we can see uh, what, what how even selfishness is there in, in the first um, verses, uh, for example, <laughs> um, but getting ahead of ourselves there. But, um, but the Gita takes us from selfishness or self-centeredness to selflessness uh, and all, all those bits in between. So uh, as you can imagine, one hour sessions uh, will never give enough time to cover everything that can be derived from studying even, even one verse of the Gita in depth. Um, it is ever deep, 
you know, sometimes we hear this, uh, these things, and it might just sound like promotional uh, marketing for our particular uh, religious book, if you will, or spiritual book. But it really does. If you've ever taken the time to read the Gita, study the Gita, classes on the Gita and so on, it offers new insights all the time. Um, uh, I can certainly attest to that, and I'm sure most of you can also, if not all of you. So even there's a nice verse uh, at the end of the Gita, um, where Sanjaya alludes to this also, uh, when he says it in 1876, he says, O King, recalling again and again this wonderful and sacred conversation between Keshava and Arjuna, I take pleasure and am thrilled at every moment. So, yeah, as I say, one-hour sessions uh, will never uh, do justice for the whole of the Gita, but with this in mind, our hope is to steer the discussions more toward the practical side of things, as well as trying to understand the flow and context of the particular verses. Um, we, we find this, especially studying our own Guru Maharaj's commentary, for example, you know, there is a particular logic as to why uh, certain questions are asked at various times by Arjuna, for example, why Krishna brings certain points out at different times, and how he expands on points that he gave in more of a seed form, let's say, earlier in the Gita, how he expands on these things as he progresses through the Gita. Um, and so we'll also um, study in, in that context as well, understanding the, the flow and the context, the logic of the, of the Gita. Um, but ultimately, we want to be able to have practical application of these timeless teachings for ourselves because, um, you know, that, that sometimes our Guru Maharaj makes the point that sometimes these things can, can go in our heads, uh, go in one ear, out the other ear. And, and we may get so much information in our heads and these kind of things, but all these things we want to sink into our hearts so that we can make further progress. Um, I I know just from my own experience or even, you know, ha uh, having uh, seen, witnessed sometimes uh, in, in devotees who, who are trying to practice, um, but sometimes can get a bit heady with some of the philosophy and like that and can speak about a lot of different um, aspects of higher philosophy. But sometimes we forget the, um, the fundamentals, if you will, the fundamentals of sacrifice and so on. So, uh, so the Gita really helps bring out a lot of these things that are, like I say, are relevant for everyone at every stage. And so hopefully we can serve also, uh, no matter where you are on the path or where we are on the path and so on, to um, something of substance that can help us in our journey, if you will. And so part of this practical aspect um, is realizing three important attributes of who we are. Um, and so we've all heard, heard this, Satchit Ananda, right? That we exist, uh, you know, it's pointed out that we, are, we aren't seeking to become eternal, for example, that we already are eternal. And, and we also know that we can exist. We're conscious. We are conscious beings. Uh, and as our Guru Maharaj uh, likes to point out, there's, there's a purpose to that existence. You know, it's not just existing. Uh, there's a purpose there. And we exist to joyfully love. Um, so uh, this, this is going to be our main focus, if you will, especially with, in, in terms of the uh, commentaries in, in the school of Uttama Bhakti and so on. And I also, I like to, uh, when we started this study a few years ago, uh, it was mainly for, for devotees who, who were very new to the Gita, actually. Some hadn't studied the Gita at all. 
um, although the group grew uh, as it went on with, with devotees of different um, uh, standings in the text, if you will. Um, but for the purpose of our particular study and approach, uh, when we started, and I think we'll, we'll also try to, to bring this into these studies too, uh, there are four, uh, I found, really important points we should consider and we'll also refer back to throughout our journey of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, because, and I'll expand on them in a second, but in brief, the four, the four points are that, firstly, uh, there's, there's an all-inclusive nature of the Gita. That, like I say, the Gita is really about our um, the nature of being. Uh, and so any, anyone who is being, anyone who's existing, you know, can derive something from the Gita. Uh, the Gita is really, although in one sense is spoken to Arjuna, like he mentions, Krishna mentions later in the Gita, he speaks to Arjuna as his dear friend uh, and devotee, and this is why he's revealing these secrets, but there were many, many other people on the battlefield uh, and these kind of things, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll expand on that in a second, but yeah, the, so point number one being that the Gita is all-inclusive. Uh, and then the second point uh, that we'll expand on in a second is there's a certain way to approach the Gita also, and so, so we'll look into that, how we should approach the Gita. The third point, is that the battlefield is within you know uh, sometimes early on in our devotional lives we're, we're it's especially emphasized the literal aspect of it and for good reason also um that you know arjuna is really existing krishna is really existing and, and these kind of things and they are important points but also there's so much there in the gita that we can see how it applies not just on that field of kurukshetra but on, on that field of kurukshetra within if you will uh, the battle that we all go through with our own minds and senses and so on and then the fourth point uh, and and i think it's a very important point uh um is that this is not an all or nothing affair. Um, and I, I'll expand on that in a second also. Um, but yeah, that, you know, wherever we are in our spiritual lives, uh, we can derive so much from the Gita to help us make the further progress and like that. And if we can't implement everything of the Gita all at once, we shouldn't think, okay, I may as well drop my bow now and walk away from the battlefield. <laughs> no, you should still stick around on the battlefield. So, um, so yeah, the Gita is a text for all. And so I, I like to keep these four points in mind as we study. And so let's start, let's, let's unpack them a li little more uh, as an introduction for the rest of the Gita. So, so the first point, point one, like I mentioned, um, is that the Gita is all inclusive. Uh, the, the, the nature of the text itself, of the conversation itself, is that it is all inclusive. It, it's for everybody. Because like I say, that there are so many teachings that can be derived from the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, you know, someone can approach it in an academic way. Uh, you know, there are many ecological things that can be taken from the logical, religious, but I used to read um, one author years ago. Uh, I think his name was Stephen Pressfield, and he had he would speak a lot about the um, the art of uh, creativity. Uh, and uh, I think he is the famous text that the the art of war. He he flipped that title and called it the War of Art. Uh, and there were there were nice things uh, points in there. But he also derived much from the Gita to apply to in that context too. So my point being 
that there, there are many things that can be and are derived from the Gita, many teachings that can be derived. So we can see the all-inclusive nature there. Um, but of course, like I mentioned, our focus is on the experiential spiritual life that really the Gita is all about when we study it as a whole, uh, and which is really what the Gita is advocating above everything else. And so I guess another important notes in relation to that is, is that although there is a hierarchy even in, in, in the Gita of different spiritual practices, and there are different spiritual practices that can be found in the Gita, uh, none of the doctrines that are given there, none of the practices that are, that are given there are really condemned fully. I mean, there are some sections, uh, let's, let's take demigod worship and so on, you know, where at one point in the Gita, Krishna speaks about it in, in a neutral way, really. And then, you know, later he just, he makes the point, and for good reason, we'll see when we get there, uh, that it's for the less intelligent, if you will. But nothing is is like condemned as in like, you know, this this is, uh, you know, no, no one should do this and this kind of thing. Um, but rather, what is more emphasized is... Um, like what what is it about that approach to transcendence or approach to even material life approach to the absolute uh what is it about these different things that give them merit and and that is this, uh that is given is really assessed depending like i say to go back to what we said at the beginning the degree of selfishness or selflessness that's contained there in that approach and so that's that we find krishna is is, uh, is bringing out again and again uh to to take arjuna or us really <laughs> from um uh, selfishness to selflessness or self-centeredness um selflessness or, or krishna centeredness if you will so Although uh, many spiritual practices are given there in the Gita, and for particular reasons, which of, of course we'll unpack as we get to those sections in the Gita, uh, they shouldn't be dismissed completely. Uh, and we'll see even, especially in the, the first six chapters, how many aspects of all of them can be found in our own bhakti practice. Uh, and our, our own Guru Maharaj also makes this point that, you know, all those things that we see that come out of uh, those other practices, uh, for example, in the first six chapters, we should find com coming in ourselves too, as we make progress up the, the bhakti yoga ladder, if you will. So uh, on a related note to that too, in terms of the all-inclusiveness, uh, we, we should also understand that in our own particular community, the, the Gaudiya Vaishnav community, we, we have a particular practice, uh, a partic particular approach, uh, and, and a way of living uh, in response to what the Gita brings out. Uh, and this, of course, has been mapped out from um, the conclusions of the Bhagavad Gita by the different uh, saints and teachers in our particular school. Um, and there are different approaches to this, and some may be more beneficial or, or more efficacious uh, than others, depending on our own spiritual standing, uh, uh, where we are, and so on. Some things may be better at a certain point than others. But although we do have our own particular approach to the, the different topics that Krishna brings out in the Gita, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, the conclusions of the Gita really are universally uh, applicable. It's not just for one particular group of people. So a Christian, for example, or a Muslim, uh, or, or someone in, in another um, 
tradition could take the conclusions of the Gita and apply them to their own particular tradition and find their own experience uh, greatly enhanced. Um, because we know, you know, in terms of uh, different paths and so on, they do often come uh, packaged in a certain culture and, and these kind of things and, and moral and ethical laws change in time, for example. Um, you know, cultures change, circumstances change. Uh, but, but the underlying principles uh, that are brought out in the Gita, uh, that all these other things are supposed to serve, they're actually unchanging. And that's going to be our focus and our approach to the Gita. And, um, and so although there are different groups, and even groups within groups, as we can see even within Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so on, uh, you know, the message of the Gita is for everybody. Everybody experiences suffering, for example, in this world, uh, whether we like to admit it or not. Everyone experiences happiness, uh, and, and both of them come and go, as, as we find out in the second chapter. Um, so the Gita gives a proper perspective on this, uh, which ultimately is rooted in attachment to temporary things, uh, something that's going to be explored thoroughly in upcoming verses. And so that's that's the human experience. We all have that experience. Uh, but we, we will, of course, put the main emphasis in our studies on the Gaudiya Vaishnav perspectives on the Gita, because that's where we want to go, of course. <laughs> um, and so that brings us to the second point then, I guess, um, of how, how we should approach the Gita. Because um, what the Gita encourages, encourages us to do, really, like I say, it's not just philosophy for our minds and these kind of things, but it, it encourages us to explore our inner life, to explore the subjective side of our life by going within, um, you know, just as science, material science, um, seeks to explore the objective side of life, what goes on with matter, you know, that can be debated, of course, but, um, you know, it studies matter, all these things outside, and how they interact, and, and, uh, and what that means, um, uh, you know, why, why does this do that? Um, although the why question isn't always explored so thoroughly as opposed to the how, but that's, it really seeks to look outside of us and come to a, um, uh, uh, unified understanding of that, uh, which but it's quite difficult because ultimately we are subjective beings. And but the Gita uh, explore that side of ourselves, the subjective side of ourselves. And so, one way we should approach the Gita is to treat this uh, study as an internal uh, scientific exploration, if you will, of your own experience of life. Um, you know, as we mentioned, it is particularly spoken to Arjuna. But Arjuna, we find in the Gita, he's not already certain in his understanding of life. Uh, he's very humble, Arjuna. He's not proud. Um, and so, of course, we're, we're not encouraged to accept everything blindly. And, and I hope even within these sessions, for example, we'll be comfortable in these sessions to honestly uh, discuss any doubts we may have on concepts that come up in the Gita and, and so on. But it's also important that we shouldn't dismiss everything uh, blindly either. You know, the only requirement really is that we have a spirit of humility, uh, an open heart, so to speak. And so there will be different um, devotees or, or individuals who may be hearing this 
and some of us may be devotees of Krishna. We're already convinced, if you will, <laughs> and we're trying to deepen our faith, deepen our relationship, deepen our surrender to him and so on. But others may be coming to the Gita for the very first time. Uh, and, and may not have that same inner conviction in Krishna, for example. And I think it's important to point out that this is perfectly okay, that no, nobody is expected uh, to force themselves to have a faith uh, in something that they don't. Um, so, but one nice way to approach the Gita though, in the open-hearted spirit of these discussions, to derive as much as we can from them, wherever we stand in our own uh, conviction, is that we look to be seekers of the truth who uh, sometimes it's said, you know, the Gita can serve to act as, as the voice of the inner wisdom of our soul um, or of the soul. Uh, of course, as we know, <laughs> some of us may know, you know, it's not just us in there in the heart, but the Paramatma or Krishna is there in the heart too. Um, and so, so we, even if we may not have full conviction in Krishna at this stage, we can take the voice of the Gita um, as that inner wisdom, I, I know my own experience uh, with the Gita. Although I've, uh, you know, I've studied it um, a few times now, and and it's been part of my life for a while. And in 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 many ways, you know, Krishna is is a, a, um, a foundation or a pillar of, of my life. Um, as much as um, I'm trying to surrender to him in my own own practice, I remember the first time I read the Gita, I did have uh, my my reservations, if you will, um, I, you know, I'd come from a Christian background and, uh, you know, the thoughts of other kinds of gods and these kind of things, although I felt a relationship with God and I, I felt, you know, I spoke to God uh, internally in prayer and these kind of things. I, um, you know, I, I felt a little reservation in terms of, okay, accepting Krishna. And I always liked how Prabhupada points out there that, you know, one, one can just try, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it in his introduction, but basically approach it as if Krishna is God, you know? Um, and so that's what I tried to do. I tried to put aside all the kind of cultural baggage of like Krishna, this, you know, blue boy who I don't know so much about and these kind of things, or I guess the blue war warrior or chariot driver there in the Gita, but, but rather that it was God, that God who I knew in my heart um, was speaking, uh, you know, who, who I had some relationship with, that this was his wisdom being spoken. So one can approach it like that, too, if that's where someone is. And then hopefully as we go through the Gita, Krishna, by his own world, words anyway, will help deepen that conviction and help us see, see those things that we may not have conviction in anyway. But whatever one's current internal conviction is, we hope to approach these discussions in a way that is nourishing for all uh, and to discuss that deep wisdom that's contained there within. And so uh, point number three um, is that a com common misunderstanding about the Gita is that it, it's about war um, because it's set on a battlefield. And so, so if we carefully study the text, we, we can see that the battle that is highlighted is our own daily battle, really, with our own mind and our own senses. Uh, and so Krishna points out that not knowledge and devotion uh, are very powerful, and, and he gives these as a method to kill those attachments uh, that especially cause us to do things that aren't in our greatest interest. Um, actually, the Gita 
and we'll explore this more in upcoming verses, but the Gita itself is not a violent text, uh, although it might seem like that on, on a superficial level. Uh, but really, uh, our Guru Maharaj, uh, he wrote a nice uh, article about this, to point out, you know, that it's really about non-violence uh, to the greatest degree. Um, you know, this this world, as we know, is a harsh place. Uh, anyone can look around and, and see that it can be a very harsh place in 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 many acts. And even, you know, we may we may be fortunate to live in, in a comfortable situation, uh, especially those of us in, in the Western world and so on. But even our current comforts uh, are a result of some kind of violence somewhere else in the world. Um, and it's not to put us all on a guilt trip and these kind of things. Um, but but it is, you know, if we're realistic about the world and how the world is, this material world, it's an unfortunate state of affairs in many ways through a certain lens. Uh, and so the Gita seeks to bring us to a higher understanding of reality, uh, to come to a place of pure selflessness and to live in the world in that way. And so the Gita shows us how we can experience the divine, how we can experience God in even the ordinary actions of our everyday life and, and help, help us to have uh, a mystical experience in, in our own day-to-day um, -day life even, to experience great spiritual joy and ultimately to develop non-violence uh, in the truest sense of the term. Uh, there's a really nice uh, article by Thomas Merton. Uh, so, so Thomas Merton, for those who, who aren't familiar, he, he's a Catholic monk, uh, or was a Catholic monk, who, who very much appreciated uh, the Bhagavad Gita. And he said that it teaches us to live in awareness of an inner truth. Uh, and by following that, by following that inner truth, become free. And so I highly recommend... Uh, reading what Thomas Merton wrote about uh, Srila Prabhupada's uh, Bhagavad Gita. There's, there's a very nice article on the Harmonist, for example, uh, and so I'll, I'll try to link to it on the notes on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's very, very nice, his insights into the Bhagavad Gita there also. But the point, point I'm making is that it is about our internal life, you know, so the battlefield is within. So that's point number three. And then point number four, uh, this also uh, very important because, like I, I was saying earlier about not getting on a guilt trip and these kind of things, you know, it's very important um, to remember that this Bhagavad Gita and all that's contained within it, it's not an all or nothing affair. Like, sure, <laughs> ultimately the conclusion is Krishna saying, "Just surrender to me completely," <laughs> and like that. So, in that sense, you can say it is an all or nothing affair. But of course, you know, he doesn't just jump straight to that um, conclusion of the Gita, uh, and so it is an important point to consider, and one we'll come back to again and again in our study. Uh, the, the, the Gita contains a yoga ladder, uh, which requires gradual progress. Uh, and and all, all of us will be practicing according to the level that is suitable for us. Uh, we find that, especially even in, in, in our own uh, tradition uh, and school of Uttama Bhakti, that um, there are stages in that. You know, one isn't uh, at the highest level uh, of praying from day one, but we go through the stages of sadhana and there are stages, there are runs on the yoga ladder. So nothing should be forced. And as we'll see, uh, although we should, you know, we should also push ourselves uh, to try and make progress also to fight, if you will, to pick up our bow. Uh, but as we'll see later on in the Gita, Krishna himself also advocates different types of practice. 
Um, so, so many of you will be familiar with verses 12.8 uh, to 12.12, 12, um, which I'll, I'll read now just because it may be um, some time before we get there in our own study. But he says there, um, just fix your mind upon me, the supreme personality of Godhead, and engage all your intelligence in me. Thus you will live in me always, without a doubt. My dear Arjuna, a winner of wealth, if you cannot fix your mind upon me without deviation, then try to attain me by discipline in practice. In this way, develop a desire to attain me. If you cannot practice the regulations of bhakti yoga, then just try to work for me, because by working for me, you will come to the perfect stage. Merely by acting for my sake, you will attain perfection. If, however, you're unable to work in this consciousness of me, then try to act, giving up all results of your work, and try to be self-situated. If you cannot take to this practice, then engage yourself in the cultivation of knowledge. Better than knowledge, however, is meditation. From meditation comes renunciation of the fruit of action, from which peace quickly follows. So, uh, like I say, it's not an all or nothing affair. We see there Krishna give um, different uh, possibilities, if you will, according to where we are. Uh, and then even in, in the concluding verses of the Gita, uh, for example, in 1863, uh, Krishna, he says there, to do as you wish uh, after proper reflection uh, to Arjuna, you know, so I've, I've given you all this, I've, I've spoken all this. Now, you know, consider it, contemplate it, but um, do as you wish, you know, it's you have free will, you have independence, um, so do, do as you, you would like to do, but, you know, be armed, armed with knowledge at least. <laughs> so these studies are there to help us give proper reflection over the instructions of the Gita and, and hopefully help us be honest with ourselves as to where we are and to, to make progress uh, in a higher direction. Because, of course, pure selflessness, to the highest degree, pure selflessness is a very high ideal. Uh, and um, there's a big spectrum in between. Uh, very, very few, I'm sure, in this world can claim to be at the stage of pure selflessness to the, to the fullest degree. Um, and there, there is a big spectrum in between. And that's a wonderful thing, because it gives us opportunity to walk in that direction. You know, as... Uh, Srila Sridhar Maharaj makes the point that we judge uh, by our, the ideal of someone, right? So if we make our ideal in that direction, that's a wonderful thing, even if we might not be there on the spectrum. Uh, so, um, you know, at the higher end, we're at the lower end, if you will. So we, we do have to live in this world and we have to in harmony with material nature and spiritual nature to make uh, healthy progress towards higher ideals. So the Gita isn't meant to make us neurotic, for example. Uh, it's not meant to give us knowledge of the higher goals and then expect that we jump there right away, even while we know honestly, internally, in our own practical reality, that we do have other interests as well in this world. And so the Gita helps us harmonize these things and take those gradual steps. And it's, it's good to know uh, the full path of the Gita. Um, and, and the Gita gives us this full, full path. It's good to have this map, you know, it's good to know these things even theoretically also. Although, like I say, we don't want it to just stay theoretically, uh, th theoret theoretical rather. Um, but um, 
you know, we, we, we do have to have a map in the first place. It lets us know internally where we are on the map and how to get where we want to go. But as, as our Guru Maharaj often warns, we should also be careful not to fool ourselves that because we've got some knowledge of some of these things, uh, that we've attained it fully. Um, and so that's the Gita really encourages us to approach it in that way, in an honest way, to, uh, you know, to be, be self-reflective and so on. And the real test is our honesty detachment internally from material things or, or selfish desires prestige etc and and how much we really do have attachment to the spiritual um because even those who have been around a while may have heard so many high things uh in the realm of transcendence you know we know the higher goals we want them even i'm sure you know we're not kidding ourselves when we think that we have some desire for them. And we also know that we should want them. But like I say, if most of us are honest, so many other things do occupy our consciousness on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, you know, we, we, we can't like uh, repress those things. Like, like we've just moved into the ashram on day one. Okay. I've given up the world. I don't need uh, anything else in this world. You know, if we're, we're, we're honest, those things bub bubbling there and we really do want these other things, no matter how much we know theoretically uh, that they're not worth pursuing. And no, no matter how much we respect the people who are telling us that they're not worth pursuing. But like I say, the Gita, when properly studied, doesn't dismiss us. It doesn't say, well, oh, you're a lost cause then, <laughs> and these kind of things. It, it gives us a method to approach these higher ideals in a healthy and balanced way, uh, even tailoring them so that they may become causes of our spiritual advancement. Uh, you know, like the Bhagavatam makes the point um, of using the thorn, a thorn to uproot a thorn that's stuck in our skin, for example. So, um, and so this is very uh, optimistic. It's very encouraging. And the Gita is very encouraging in this way. Uh, and especially when we add also the practices of bhakti directly, like for example, adding the chanting of Hare Krishna uh, in our daily lives, the Maha Mantra in our daily lives and so on. Um, and, and association with the Vaishnavas and, 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 you know, all these different practices, then we can make gradual progression, even while we might consider ourselves leaning uh, more towards the selfish side of the spectrum than the fully selfless side. Uh, so, so, uh, it, so, so, yeah, so those are four points that um, are really important to keep in mind as we study the Gita uh, and study these various topics because Krishna will speak uh, about all ends of the spectrum at different different points in the Gita uh, and it's important to know that there are both low ends and high ends and that we do need to make gradual steps in between being honest with ourselves and our own needs for for balance and harmony and then act accordingly with our eyes fixed upwards and so the Gita is very practical also uh, in this way, like we, we mentioned, it talks about the nature of existence, uh, the nature of what it means to exist as an entity, as we do. Um, and it speaks about that nature, the nature of our being, it, it, in, in a way that it, it leads to, as our Guru Maharaj sometimes expresses it, like a theological thinking. Uh, uh, you can say that, um, you know, there, there's much in the Gita, that we can practically experience right now, you know, if we apply some of these things in the Gita or we reflect on the world around us, we can apply right now. But it but it leads us to 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 
um, this theological thinking, this this way of thinking, maybe believing that isn't there necessarily right there in front of our eyes. You know, um, it's not there immediately at our disposal uh, to experience. Um, because we can, like I say, we can experience much of it. We can experience ourselves uh, to some extent, and the, and the Gita is pushing us in that direction to experience ourselves in a really deep sense. Like I like I mentioned, as a unit of being, of knowing, of loving, this Satchit Ananda that comes up often, and the Gita is very. When we hear these things and we hear we 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 look around, we contemplate like that, we start to think that, yeah, actually, I can see this is talking about me. It's quite clear, actually, it's talking about me. It's talking about the world, the way the world really is. Uh, uh, you know, if I if I look beneath the cover, beyond the social media, the shiny, happy, uh, smiley faces that <laughs> and so on, you know, if I look beneath the cover of how things really are and like that, the Gita, you know, yeah, I can see that the Gita speaks uh, how, how things really are it speaks to us about things that are right there before our eyes that maybe we couldn't always see so it opens our eyes to things uh, it helps us look uh, at the world from another angle and, and then start to see yes that's the way that things really are uh, so it's very confirming in this way uh, it, it it doesn't just speak about um, something that you should believe in it's not just about something you should believe in uh, and you know you will experience this after death uh, but you have to wait until you die before you experience it. There's there's much there that we can experience it in, in our day to day. Uh, and, and by speaking about the nature of being, we can start to see right now, you know, this is the way that things seem to work in the world. Uh, if I look a little more deeply. So it's a very, very profound text in that way. And very practical text. And like I say, then it, it encourages us in us uh, and cultivates in us a, a belief in the other things that it speaks about, um, because it does also speak about not only what we're like, uh, what we are and so on, and what we're like in our fullest potential um, I, I, as a full lover of God. Um, uh, but but that's the that's the main point that. As we go deeper into the Gita, especially the middle six chapters, although Krishna also brings it up um, briefly in the fourth chapter, God comes into the picture. Krishna comes into the picture as God and so on. And so ultimately, um, that's what the Gita is about, about what we are as, ser uh, as lovers and servants of God, really. Uh, and ultimately, the Gita encourages sacrifice. Uh, and so our Guru Maharaj, uh, he likes to point out that sacrifice is the womb from which love arises. And that's what we're all seeking after, really, in this world, directly or indirectly, is love. Uh, and, and so the obviously opposed to that is attachment, uh, opposed to sacrifice is attachment. And so Krishna makes that point in the Gita, that attachment is the womb from which suffering is born deal with both our suffering but also you know what we really want uh or what we want to be attached to if you will uh which is love love uh and so it speaks about love in in, in the highest degree and and by doing so uh or, or in pursuit of that it encourages sacrifice uh so sacrifice is a major theme of the gita so it's, it's worth our while to go really deep into the Gita, because we can, you know, we can just say, okay, yes, it's about sacrifice, and then we'll all have our conceptions of what sacrifice means, and 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 so on. But but the Gita 
uh, we'll, we'll make make a lot of these things very clear, you know, and, and actually, like I say, provide a, a very clear map in many ways, especially with, with, with the help of our acharyas and so on, uh, as to how to apply these things in our lives that we can become sacrifices in, in, in the fullest sense, if you will. Uh, so it's worth our while to go deep into the Gita and continue to build that platform or that stage of Sharanagati, of surrender, which we've discussed at different times. Um, uh, on, on which uh, the play of Krishna Leela takes place. Uh, our Guru Maharaj puts it like that. I think, I don't know if it's still the tagline, but you know, the tagline for this Tatva Vivek series, um, uh, something along those lines, you know, the canvas uh, on which the art of Krishna Leela can be drawn. So that, that Sharanagati has to be in place, that stage of Sharanagati has to be erected. And so, you know, this the, the Gita is worth our while to go deep into the Gita because the Gita is really all about that, helping us build that stage and, and these kind of things so that we can come to the stage of pure selflessness, if you will, where, where Prema is really there, that, where, what Prema is really about, pure love. And, and so, Moving forward, as I say, in, in the future sessions, uh, we're going to draw very heavily from our Acharya's commentaries, although I might be the one speaking uh, predominantly, although hopefully there'll be other input as, as devotees are able to join live and so on. But um, uh, really, we'll be drawing mainly from our, our Acharya's commentaries, because it'll be a study, continuing study for myself also, uh, especially looking at the logical flow of the conversation, as is often pointed out. Uh, by our Guru Maharaj in his commentary. And so for the most part, I'll, I'll be repeating the trees, but in a synthesized way uh, to try to avoid repetition and so on. Uh, you know, naturally, I may also share some of the things myself or others in, in our other study sessions locally have brought out while studying, because again, there's so much in, in the Gita. Uh, and I also encourage you to bring your own realizations and own practical uh, applications as we make progress. Um, because, yeah, the text is ever deep. Uh, and we'll never personally be able to cover everything in one session. And, and, and I'm sure all of you have so many things you can share on the Gita also in your own experiences of the Gita and understandings and way we can apply these things. Um, so ideally, uh, you know, you can share your thoughts live in session if you can make it. Uh, but I know that's not always possible. I'm not always, make, always able to make the live sessions. So if that's not possible, maybe you can comment on the YouTube videos uh, and then I can share them, those comments in the next session uh, as an introduction uh, and summary as we enter uh, the, ne the next verses, if you will. Um, and so I'm going to wrap up now in a second, but just to let you know that generally each session uh we will spend two two to four uh each session on two to four verses uh depending on the natural flow of, of the gita uh, some it may make sense to spend uh you know a session on two verses some it may make sense to spend a session on five verses and so on um and, and we'll see we'll see how it makes sense uh you know sometimes even we might spend uh, a number of sessions on just one verse to get a really thorough understanding uh when, for example when we studied the um verse 434 um which speaks about approaching the guru because guru uh tattva is such an important um topic and and relevant topic for so many and there's a lot of confusion on it i, th I think we spent like seven or eight sessions on that verse alone locally um so so we'll see we'll see how it plays out as we make progress in 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 these sessions but next time though 
we will look at a big chunk. Uh, it won't always be like this. It'll slow right down as we get to the second chapter. Uh, but we, next time we'll look at verses one to ten. Uh, but we we will we will still split these these up. Uh, like I say, we won't just do the whole first chapter in one batch because. Although sometimes they're taken as introductory verses, you know, they're, they're said to be setting the scene for the conversation of the Gita to take place. As we'll see next time, uh, there, there's a lot to be found in the first chapter and actually even in the very first verse. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll save that for next time. But there, there's a lot in the first chapter that we can derive from. Um, and so, yeah, with that, I guess I'll, I'll uh, be quiet and um, uh, yeah, open up if there's any, I, I guess, um, it's just Braj on the call at the moment, um, but uh, I'll, I'll just take a look on the YouTube. But otherwise, um, yeah, we'll wrap up and then we'll uh, carry on next time with the uh, verses once a term. Okay, so no problem. So we'll, um, yeah, so. Uh, we'll get together, um, I think, even next month or the month after to, to start on, on verses 1 to 10. Um, but of course, there's so much going on uh, before that. So um, uh, obviously, um, uh, there's the Polish retreat uh, is taking place. I think the first program starts tomorrow. Uh, so there are going to be many classes. I think Guru Nishta posted a um, poster with the different times of classes of Guru Maharaj. So, um, so keep your eyes open for that. There's, there's going to be, a, I'm sure, a lot of nice nectar coming out of Poland. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and obviously the Tatva Vivek will continue also um, along the way. So uh, yeah, thank you for being here now or in the future. Vanchakalpa Trubyascha, Kripa Sindhubya Evacha, Patitanam Bhavanebio, Vaishnavebio, Namaha. Hare Krishna.